covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. We do welcome you into another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Well, the Brewers are playoff bound, and uh, here we are talking about it. Welcome in, and it's just uh, I still kind of have to chuckle about it. The Brewers finish a couple games below 500. On Sunday, they get beat by the Cardinals, but then the Phillies lose and the Giants lose, and what do you know? The Brewers find themselves into the postseason for a third year in a row. We'll get into a lot of things on the podcast this week. First off, as always, our housekeeping items. For many of you, this is the plus 30 section of the uh, podcast as you skip ahead in your podcast app. But um, if you want to get in contact with me, the best way to do so is on Twitter, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. And if you do listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and you can uh, subscribe and leave a ranking and review, that would be fantastic. Andrew Wagner is our featured guest on the podcast this week, covers the Brewers for the Wisconsin State Journal, also uh, contributes to Forbes Sports. He is going to join us coming up in uh, just a few minutes, and I look forward to talking with him about everything Brewers-related after they get into the postseason. Just a just an odd turn of events as uh, the Brewers go into Sunday at a point where they control their own destiny. All they got to do is beat the Cardinals. And when I say all they have to do, I don't say all they have to do is beat the Cardinals in the sense that it's easy, but I say all they have to do in the sense that it was the one singular thing that could absolutely for sure get them into the postseason. And they were unable to do it. And that's the kind of season it's been this year for the Brewers. It feels like every time they're right there at the point of uh, accomplishing something, they, they've they seemingly fallen short. But at the same time, when, when it feels like everything is lost, they they come up with a, with, with a big win or something good happens. And that's kind of the way Sunday went. Because while they lost that game, the Phillies lost to the Rays and... The Padres knocked off the Giants, and that game ended shortly after the Brewers-Cardinals game ended. We learned later on that as soon as the game got over, Brewers players got into the visiting clubhouse at Bush Stadium, got that TV on, and were around that television, and then a celebration did begin once that game uh, came to an end. and Might have gotten a little bit of a gift on the strike-three call that finished off that game, but... A win is a win, and uh, it's it's kind of funny that it was the Padres that really helped the Brewers into the postseason with what they were able to do against the Giants when you consider who's on the Padres and the trade that was made in the offseason, sending both Zach Davies and Trent Grisham to the Padres, and those two guys certainly had a role in that series against uh, the Giants. So while... While they weren't Brewers, they certainly were still doing some things for the Brewers uh, during that series. So I guess it kind of worked out in a weird roundabout way, a trade that at least for now seems somewhat one-sided. There's some club control stuff with the players the Brewers got, and we'll see what happens as they continue to develop and uh, what happens with uh, Trent Grisham and Zach Davies. But right now, certainly the Padres have gotten more out of that deal than the Brewers have, but that's probably another discussion for another time when we go into the offseason and really look at what the Brewers need to do. It's going to be an interesting offseason. I did think it was notable. David Stearns, when he spoke with the media after the game on Sunday, he did admit 
that the moves that he made, many of the moves he made last year in the offseason did not work out. And he makes that admission that's probably that's probably a good sign of, okay, when they go into doing things this offseason, they're going to have to do things a little bit differently. At the same time, we have no clue, zero clue, what things are going to look like from a financial standpoint, not just for the Brewers, but across Major League Baseball, where revenues are way, way, way down this year as a result of the pandemic. But again, all these are things that can be worried about at a, uh, at a different time, because right now, the Brewers are playoff bound. They're a banged-up team going into the playoffs. Corbin Burns is not going to be available for the Dodgers series, may not be available for the NLDS either, so it might take a run to the NLCS for the Brewers to see Corbin Burns. Brett Anderson suffered that, uh, dealt with that same blister thing that he had at the beginning of the year. He had to come out of Sunday's game. We don't know if that's going to result in him not being able to pitch against the Dodgers. More often than not, when a pitcher has a blister like that, they miss at least one start. Is it a possibility that he could be ready and good to go by game number three, which is Friday, which would give him uh, an, an, an extra day or two? But still, who who knows what's going to happen there? We don't know who's going to start when. Brandon Woodruff's day, based off rest, would be game number two, which is Thursday. You would think he would stay on uh, on on pace for that. It seems to make sense to go into a bullpen game for game number one that Brent Suter would start, but we we just don't know. And Manager Craig Council does have a media availability on Monday, uh, so by the time you're listening to this, some of these questions might already be answered. But we'll we may know a little bit more at that point in time we probably for sure will know at least who's going to get the ball first in game number one for the brewers they did enough they did enough nobody's going to sit here and tell you they had a fantastic season quite honestly they're going to go down as one of the worst offensive clubs in the history of the franchise and any other year you don't have the expanded playoff they're not. Uh, they're not a postseason club. Even next year, there's uh, Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, wants to keep the expanded playoff, but not eight teams. Uh, his plan is to go to seven teams, where you have one team that's the one seed. They get a first round bye, and then you have six other teams play a best of three series against each other in the first round. That's what Rob Manfred wants to go to. So. If this was even next season with the expanded playoff that's expected, even then the Brewers would not be a playoff team. They take advantage of the rules this year. And how about the NL Central? Four teams, four teams. Every division was guaranteed their first and second place team, and then there was two basically at-large spots available, and those two spots, they are grabbed by the, uh, by the Reds and uh, the Brewers. And that is uh, to see the Cubs and the Cardinals and the Reds and the Brewers all in the playoffs. I think it says something about the the division. I've kind of gone back and forth. When the season got started, I, I thought the NL Central was going to be the best division in baseball. And then the season got started, and it really did not completely work out that way uh, at all. <laughs> and they... The, the, the records of the teams just were not especially good. And now we get to the end of the season, 
And it's it's not that they've got a bunch of great teams. Like the NL West has two just amazingly fantastic teams, right? In the uh, in the Dodgers and the Padres, they are both really, really, really good. Um, I don't think the NL Central has a great team. I don't know if the National League. Uh, beyond really the Dodgers and then probably the Padres as a secondary team really has great teams in in the National League overall. There's not after you get past the Dodgers, you you jump a little bit and you get to the Padres, and then it feels like you got a big jump from there and you get to everybody else. It uh, yeah, I mean it's just uh, there, there's not a lot of difference in the National League from from seeds number. I guess you can't say seeds because Padres end up as the four seed because they were a second place team. But from a record standpoint, you don't feel like there's a whole lot of difference between the Atlanta Braves and the Milwaukee Brewers. You just don't, uh, and that's the way the National League is this year. We're in the American League. It feels like there's a lot of really good teams in the American League. A lot of really good teams. And it doesn't feel that way as much in the National League. I feel like I'm kind of rambling on about the playoffs at this point. It's just it, it Sunday, again, a microcosm of the season for the Brewers. A very flawed team. An incredibly flawed team that does enough to get into the postseason. And there's nothing wrong with being excited about it. There's nothing wrong with noting their accomplishment it is an accomplishment to be a major league baseball playoff team major league baseball changed the format this year brewers did enough within the format to be a postseason club and at the end that's all that matters maybe they got a puncher shot to knock off the dodgers dodgers are really good i i'd rather face off against the dodgers in a short three game series than a longer series that's for sure because clearly the the equation to beat the Dodgers is steal game number one somehow, some way, which can happen. A baseball game is very random. And then assuming Brandon Woodruff is going in game number two, he pitches you to victory. That's that's probably the best possibility. The longer the series goes, I would say the less chance that the Brewers have of winning it. And again, the fact that it's a three-game series is probably, um, other than a, a one-game sort of deal like, you've had in the past with wild card games. The, a three-game series is about the best shot that the Brewers have at being the Dodgers. So they got a puncher's chance. Brewers uh, are a team now that are getting three years in a row of getting the postseason. A lot of the same guys are on the roster. The core is there. They know what it takes to win. They A lot of them did not perform the way they wanted to in the regular season. See Christian Yelich. Maybe finally the numbers officially resetting, everything going back to zero, maybe that's going to be enough for uh, for to, uh, for it to work out. All right, enough of uh, me just going on and on and on. Let's get to our uh, featured conversation on uh, this week's podcast. Very happy to welcome on to the program. He covers the Brewers for the Wisconsin State Journal. Also is a contributor to uh, Forbes, Forbes Sports. Excuse me. Glad to have him on. Somebody who's covered the Brewers a long time. Somebody who grew up in the area. Uh, I mean, you just think about the uh, the historical significance of the Brewers being in the playoffs for uh, three straight years. It is something, and this is a great guy to talk to. We're very happy to welcome back onto the podcast. He is Andrew Wagner. Follow him on Twitter at by Andrew Wagner. Hey, Andrew, how are you? Good. How are you, Matt? I'm all right. Uh, so. I'm glad to have you on because you've watched so much, so many odd things when it comes to Brewers baseball over uh, your time, not just covering the team, but just being in this area. And 
in a way, it seems odd that a sub-500 team can make it to the postseason. In other ways, it feels like you know, there, while there hasn't been a lot of Brewers, good Brewers baseball over the years, there have been some very good teams that missed the postseason. How do you kind of assess a team that finishes two games under 500 being a postseason club? You know, I, it's hard to say how I look at the team. I, I step back and I look at this from a more macro perspective. It's, you know, I, know, I know so many people are, are just beyond upset that baseball expanded their playoffs this year and, oh, it's, it's a watered-down product and you're letting in sub-500 teams. But I think the Brewers are an example of why they did this. And, and I don't think the Brewers are who they had in mind. I think they were thinking more, if the Yankees would have found themselves in this position, okay, I think that's what MLB had in mind. But this is a way for teams who... We're supposed to have good teams, but for whatever circumstance, and I think it was more along the lines of you know, a good team getting struck down by COVID, something like that, to be able to redeem themselves in a playoff setting. You know, teams that you figured were going to be in the hunt come postseason time, for whatever reason, might not be. Now with the expanded field, it gets in. Going back to the Brewers specifically, I don't know what to make up. They should have been a lot better than they were. I don't think there's any question about just, how different is this season if Christian Yelich alone produces the way you kind of expect Christian Yelich to produce? Not putting up the numbers he did the last two years, obviously. Those are just astronomical. But if he just hits to his average, I think it's an entirely different year. Um, so I don't know. I don't think it cheapens the accomplishment by any stretch of the imagination, especially if you look at the playoff field where in the National League, Four of the National League playoff teams are from what division? The NL Central. The Brewers went 20 and 20 against those teams, you know? So uh, we kind of talk about this in college football sometimes, like the Big Ten, for example, where teams sometimes get punished by beating up on each other. And I think you saw some of that in baseball this year, specifically in the Central Division. I got to think baseball, if it was going to come down between the Brewers and the Giants, even though San Francisco is such a larger media market, and maybe there's going to be some more eyes on games involving that, but from a star standpoint, the Brewers have Christian Yelich, the Giants, they don't have a, a, a big-time star on their team. So the Major League Baseball has to be at least somewhat happy that Christian Yelich is once again in the playoffs. Yeah, I think so. If you look at it from that perspective, absolutely. He's a very marketable individual. He's going to get people to tune in. And I think even more so now because you're going to get people that, that want to tune in and say, well, you know, I wonder if he can turn it around, if he can, you know, kind of improve his stock from the season. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. I, I, I've i been okay with this scenario from day one. I I don't think if she does anything, I, I would prefer that they don't go back to this next year. Mm -hmm. But I think with the way this season has been, from the day they shut down in March until now, uh, I think this is a great way to end what's been an absolutely crazy season and, for the most part, has been enjoyable. And most importantly, that the most important thing, they got to this point. You know, Major League Baseball played the entire 60-game season. How many people a week in were saying, ah, baseball's going to fail, you know, after the Marlins had their outbreak and then after the Cardinals had their outbreak? They, they went through this entire season, and I believe the only two games that are not being played are the games the Cardinals would have had to play tomorrow yep. uh, if it still mattered in the standings. So, bravo to the players 
for, for sticking to the protocols. Bravo to MLB for being willing to kind of adapt as they go along and, and, and not pulling the plug on this whole thing because there are a lot of people that didn't think they were going to get here, and here they are. I um, So I'm hosting the post-game show on Sunday, and my phone lines were going crazy. I'll be I I'll be honest with you, Andrew. I and I'm not saying I I don't feel bad saying what I'm about to say because I don't think this has anything to do with me. Uh, the engagement this year on my show has been exponentially lower than in previous years. It seems like people have not been as locked into this team. And I get, especially with the Brewers, where it's such an immersive experience where so many people get out to the games and get to 10, 15 games a year and do the tailgating. And it, sometimes it feels like Brewers players are, are almost like family members to, to fans out there. It's just it's a very close experience. It's one of the cool things about the, the kind of the Brewers baseball community. And that hasn't been there this year. Um, but I, I'm doing the show on, on Sunday and the phone lines are popping, and it it felt like the any other year going into the postseason, the excitement and everything. And I don't even know what I'm going to ask you here, but it's just for me, it's cool because it gives people, it gives a really good baseball fan base the opportunity to be excited about something in a year where there are not as many things to be excited about. Absolutely, and I know we're not supposed to be looking for silver linings and positives and all this. I know we're supposed to be doom and gloom about everything every day uh, during the situation, but no, it, it really is. It, it gives a reason to, to enjoy things again. Um, I, I, I agree with you, too. It is such an immersive experience, you know, being a fan in baseball, especially here with tailgating and you know, all the stuff that goes into it are such a big part of going to a game, so I don't know what kind of effect that has. You know, also not being able to go to bars with your friends to watch the game, that probably weighs into some of it, too. Um, so it, it, it's weird. I, it, the one thing that, that, that players and Craig Council and everyone has talked about this year, and even amongst us in the press box, it's just been weird not having fans there. Um, I'll admit that when I'm looking down at my computer uh, and, and I'm writing or doing whatever and not looking directly at the stands, even when I'm you know kind of glancing at the field, um, I, I, there are times I don't notice that it's piped in noise and, and there's no one there. Um, so that part of it, okay, is kind of normal, but you know, those crescendos, uh, in crowd noise, I think back to 2008. Um, and everyone remembers CC's complete game and everyone remembers Ryan Braun's home run. What I remember before, after Braun's home run and before CC came back out to the ninth, uh, as the inning ended, they started, the sound people started playing Twisted Sisters, we're not going to take it anymore. And it took like 30 seconds before the fans kind of like picked up on it. And the place just went absolutely crazy. And then, of course, they, you know, segued into the usual There Goes My Hero song. But it's that little moment, that, that kind of oral atmosphere that was lacking this year at times. And I think it absolutely did have a direct result uh, to some of the, the things that you saw on the field over the course of the year. Nobody was apologizing for being 29 and 31 and getting into the playoffs. I was struck by the fact we've 
We've been around baseball long enough. We know how it works. If you get into the final game of the season and one team is playing for something and the other team isn't really playing for anything, the team that's playing for something seemingly almost always wins. Like the other team always says the right things about they're going to go out there and compete, yada, yada, yada. But it always seems like that team that's got the uh, the reason to play always comes out on top. And you can't really apply that standard to Brewers Cardinals because both teams are playing for something. But when it came to Padres Giants and when it came to uh, Phillies Rays, yeah, while the Padres and Rays were playoff teams, they weren't really playing for anything on Sunday. Were you struck by the fact that so many teams that were playing for their playoff lives on Sunday all came up empty? Yeah, I was thinking about that earlier. So many people have been just, oh, you know, the Brewers have squandered every opportunity. Like they're the only team in the history of baseball to do so. And we saw across the league, you know, those two teams. I, I think the joke that I made on Twitter that afternoon was uh, I referenced the South Park baseball episode where the kids were playing Little League and none of them wanted to win because they wanted their season to be over. And they kept trying to lose. That's kind of what it felt like for a little bit there that day. But, yeah, it was it was a weird situation. But in 2020, you know, it, it's kind of the least weird thing that's happened this year. From a baseball standpoint, the series was not good for the team. The, the road, On the road trip, they lose Corbin Burns. They maybe lose Brett Anderson. They maybe lose Daniel Vogelback. Uh, they they are not the same team right now than they even were when they started the road trip. No, they're really not. Um, it's, uh, it, 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 it's just one of those things. Again, it, it's it's just 2020 for you. You lose, but you get in. You get in, but you're without your, your ace and, and, and your hottest hitter. You know, it's just just another challenge for the Brewers to overcome. And, and listen, they, they've maybe not done it in the way that everyone has kind of hoped this year, but they have answered the challenges. You know, they answered the challenge just by getting back on the field this year. They answered the challenge by, you know, staying healthy all year and not uh, getting shut down by coronavirus. They, they they answered the challenge by overcoming a whole bunch of disappointing performances to get into the playoffs. Now, Brand, they have another challenge uh, in playing the Dodgers, and they have a challenge in being without Corbin Burns and, you know, whoever else you're going to be without. So, you know, you just got to see how it goes. It, it, it's part of the game, especially part of the game this year. Things are just going to pop up, and, and you have to be ready to, to take them on as they come. This is not an original thought, but it seems like the maybe the way to win a series against the Dodgers in a best of three is a lot of people think it's going to be Brent Suter in game number one. That makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. You go with a bullpen game. They've been pretty successful uh, in games started by him. And then you go to Brandon Woodruff in game number two. And it seems like if they are going to knock off just a fantastically good Dodgers team, the path to doing that is maybe steal one in game number one and then have have Woodruff pitch you to victory in game two. Do you kind of uh, agree with that being the best possible pathway to a win against the Dodgers? That depends if Clayton Kershaw is pitching game one or two, in which case put Brandon Woodruff on the mound, put him in the starting lineup, uh, <laughs> let him bat lead off and see if he can, you know. But yeah, I, I think you're right. I tell you what, I, I might be one of the only people around that's actually excited to see this series. I, I think it's going to be a fun matchup. Um, it's absolutely going to be challenging. I mean, the Brewers are the eighth seed. They have played poorly. Uh, but you know all eyes are going to be on this series because it's the Dodgers. Uh, 
the Brewers were left with a sour taste in their mouth uh, after letting that series get away from them in 2018. I know a lot of things have changed uh, in the two years since, but, you know, I, I think there's a little bit that the Brewers might not have thought people took them seriously then. Um, I don't like to make a big deal to chip on the shoulder or, or David and Goliath complex. I, I think that's part of it. I think they have something to prove after this year uh, and the way it went, especially for, for guys like Christian Yelich and, and Ryan Braun, who might be playing for the last time. Um, I don't know. I, I just I just like this series. I, I like that both teams know each other's postseason tricks because of that series. Again, it was two years ago, but they both play the same style of matchup baseball. The Dodgers might have better talent, 1 through 28 on the roster than the Brewers, but both teams get the most out of their pieces, or at least ideally. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a good series, and I agree with you. If they can steal game one and have Woodruff, you know, do what you expect Woodruff to do in game two, um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be – I don't think it's a great possibility, but I think the Brewers have a shot to win the thing. Yeah, I think it's a puncher's chance, and I, it's – it would be a huge upset. The Dodgers are, are the best team in the National League far and away, and they're probably the best team in baseball by a pretty good amount as well. So I'm not trying to sit here and talk about the Brewers being a, a favorite or anything, but I'll tell you what, I would rather go into the playoffs as an offensively challenged team than a pitching challenged team because in the playoffs, it seems like everybody's offensively challenged and it's the teams that pitch well and it's the team with good defense. Now, again, we don't know who the Brewers are going to be pitching with the injuries to to Burns and Anderson, but if you take a step back and see pitching as a strength for the Brewers, maybe them being an offensively challenged club, they won't look as different as maybe they would have looked some other years because it always just seems like offense kind of takes multiple steps back for most teams in the playoffs anyways. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you're going to be playing in Dodger Stadium, which is a pitcher's ballpark. Um, you know, you'll be playing later in the day. Uh, I haven't seen a schedule or anything yet, but I assume because the Dodgers are on the West Coast and the Dodgers, they will have some of the later slot games. Yeah, so I'll, I'll stop, I'll stop you attack. right now. We're recording this at 8.53 p.m. on Sunday night. Our friend Kevin Holden just tweeted out a bit ago, and I made this maybe coming from other places as well, but uh, Kevin did tweet out that Game 1 on Wednesday is going to be a 9 o'clock Central start. Okay, so I ruined the K-Fob of, of our podcast being live and in living color, yes. and I'm sorry for that, Matt. <laughs> um, so, yes. Yeah. Let me just rewind here. You know they're playing the late games at Dodger Stadium, Matt. So the, the marine layer is going to be an issue, and that tends to hold offense down. So if you get good pitching and a couple of timely hits, you have a chance. You absolutely have a chance. And I, I tell you what, I, I, I don't know how quickly uh, you know Craig Council is going to bring back Freddie Peralta after Sunday. If if you feel like you get a couple of innings out of him Wednesday night. You're looking at a situation where you're possibly going with, uh, you know, Suter and Peralta and, you know, get through that. Maybe you can get to, to, to Williams and Hayter. Uh, it's just the Brewers have good pitching, and good pitching wins playoff games. You need offense. You need time to hit. They struggle with that, but you can't do any of it unless you have good pitching. And I think even with, with, with the situation with, with Corbin Burns uh, on the IL and with Brett Anderson's blister on Sunday, I think the Brewers have good enough pitching to make it a series. 
It would be interesting if it goes to a game three, who would start? If it's Josh Lindblom, if it's Adrian Hauser, if if somehow that's enough time for Brett Anderson's blister to heal, well then he's he's the guy, but that seems unlikely. That's that would be the big question mark for me. If they go to a game three, do they have a starter for it? You know, I and no, but at the same time, I think Council proved in two thousand eighteen that you don't need to have uh, a starter every single game in the playoffs. It definitely helps. Uh, in this first round, at least, I think they can make do mixing and matching over the course of two games. They have they have the pieces where you can do that. You obviously don't want to blow through guys all in one day and then leave yourself shorthanded. But, you know, you have the, the ability where, okay, you can give Brett Anderson an inning or two to start the game. You can you know, go to Lynn Bloom for an inning or two. Uh, and another reason that works in the Brewers' finger is, you know, all these guys are very different. And we've heard the starters talk about that. We've heard the catchers talk about that throughout the year. None of the guys that are in your Brewers' quote-unquote rotation really throw the same style. You, know, you have Corbin Burns, who has about 11-9 different pitches. You get a ton of heat. You know, Woody's a fastball guy that just, you know, pummels you left and right uh, and pounds the strike zone. Brad Anderson is a sinker ball guy from the left. You got Cousin with a sinker from the right. And, you know, Lindblom's got a whole bunch of pitches. So they have all kinds of different options so, so teams can't get comfortable from one day to the next. And if you're in a situation like that where it's, you know, potential elimination game, all hands on deck, you have the ability to do that from inning to inning. I know it's 2020 and things are weird. How much. I got, I'm really happy that we're going to be covering postseason baseball, but we're covering it in a different way. That we're not, we're not there. Um, how much do you lament the fact that the Brewers are in the postseason? And this applies to fans as well, because fans are not going to be able to experience. This is an organization that, yes, it's three years in a row in the postseason, but in the grand scheme of things, they don't have that many postseason berths. And now, one of the few in club history is not going to be viewed really. By, by fans, by Brewers fans specifically. And that's a, that's a bummer, and I think it's a bummer for us from a professional standpoint that we're not going to be sitting in the press box for any playoff games this year. Yeah, I'm a little bummed about that. I you know, enjoyed uh, being a little of the, uh, the champagne and, and beer spring celebrations, even if it means my recorder gets drenched or, you know, I get pulled over and uh, stopped and questioned about drunk driving on the way home from the stadium because I reek like a brewery. <laughs> another story for another day, but yeah, it is kind of a bummer not being there because there is there is a sense of energy when you go to work on a big day, no matter what it is that you do, and it's no different when you're covering baseball. And yeah, I think the same thing for the fans. You know, there's there's something to be said about like being in the stadium. And again, I go back to 2008. I remember what it was like walking into Miller Park that day. Um, there was just I point out all the time, the international sign of something important in baseball is bunting. And, and there's something about seeing the bunting hanging from the railing around the station that tells you this is not just any other game. Yep. This is a big game. This is the playoffs. You know, this is a bunting game. Yeah, it would be kind of weird to not see that. Did you really get pulled over once after a celebration? Yeah, it was <laughs> 2011. <laughs> I was driving home. Uh, and I was going down Canal Street, and uh, you know I was pretty exhausted. It was a pretty late night. Um, you know, by the time 
Clinch and, and got all of our stories and our interviews and our breakthrough stories and all that other stuff. You know, uh, I was walking out with uh, former AP writer Colin Sly. We were talking in the parking lot for a while, and, you know, I got in the car and I was driving home, and, and there's a roundabout, uh, I think it's around 35th Street off Canal, and I apparently didn't yield. Uh, there was no one in there. You know, officer pulled me over, and uh, I have my license and registration. He leaves in, you know, are you drinking, sir? I'm like, no. And uh, I didn't know what he was talking about. First. I, I couldn't really smell it. I didn't notice anything. She points out that she was smelling nothing but booze on me, and then it came like, oh my goodness. I was in the locker room, and he kind of looked at me like I was, you know, full of it. So I'm like, you know, let me reach in the back seat. I'll get my backpack. I'll show you my credential. I'll show you whatever. You know, showed him, you know, pictures on my phone. And, you know, fortunately, I was, you know, able to go home because I literally wasn't drinking. But, uh, yeah, so my. That's when I learned a valuable lesson, always bring an extra set of clothes along to the stadium, some, some body spray and deodorant, and yeah. yeah. I, sometimes. I, sometimes I get jealous because in all of these celebrations, I'm always upstairs hosting the post-game show, so I never get to be part of, uh, of being downstairs when everybody else is, and it's something that I would like to experience as a, uh, as a member of the media at some point in time. I mean, we don't, again, and this is not to say that we're like, you know, fans of the news. We are not. We right. are impartial journalists. We don't have a rooting interest. For me, it was special being there because, you know, I, I, like many people, I got my exposure to baseball and the Brewers by going to games with my dad as a kid. And, and we would watch, um, you know, we'd watch the playoffs and, and watch those celebrations. I remember when I was little asking him about that. And he explained, you know, this team won the World Series and that's how they celebrate. Um, and then one time when we were playing in the backyard, I, you know, hit a wiffle ball home run and, you know, poured Gatorade over my brother's head and got grounded. But in 2008, the first time that this had happened in 26 years, and, and, and being in there when it happened, um, on my way back upstairs, or at my store, I actually stopped and called my dad. I'm like, hey, you remember when we were kids? Like, I just was a part of this. You know, this was this is a really cool moment. So, you know, I, I lost my father last year, and the first thing I thought of in Cincinnati after the clinch was, you know, I, you know, I don't get to call my dad, but that's a memory that I have, a work memory that takes me back to my dad. So that's where the, the enjoyment comes for me, being a part of all of that. It's something that I, I remembered from growing up, never being able to be a part of it, never imagining in a million years that I would ever, you know, do that. So there was a time when I was a kid where I thought that I would someday replace Robin Yount at, at shortstop. So that was quickly kiboshed after a week of T-ball. But yeah. Yeah, so it's a fun experience. It's a cool experience, and it's a cool experience for the fans too. Again, the scene inside Miller Park in 2008, while they were waiting around for that Mets game to finish up to find out what was going on, I don't think there was a single person that left. In 2011, the celebration after you know they clinched the division, and 2018, just that feeling after Game Six, the NLCS. I, I, I don't. I don't think I could put that feeling that I that I felt from that crowd into words. You just felt like it was starting to become real. Like the World Series could happen, and everyone in that building felt it. Um, so yeah, it, it's definitely strange not being there. It's definitely strange not having anyone else there. So. It's a new normal. We're all adjusting. and hopefully next year we'll all be back there again. Yeah, the last thing for you, because you referenced it, and maybe you'll disagree with me on this, and I'm in a little bit of a different situation because uh, hosting the postgame show on the team's flagship, 
I'm, I'm not technically part of the radio network, but I come up right after the radio network, and you know, it's obviously a very pro Brewers sort of sort of thing that I'm doing. So while we're sitting in the press box, no, we are we are not actively rooting. And maybe some people disagree with what I'm about to say. Look for for you if if the Brewers extend further into the playoffs and who you work for benefits from it. If the Wisconsin State Journal sells a few more newspapers, if they get a few more clicks on the website, uh, if you get to extend your working time for a longer amount of time, I don't think there's anything wrong with media members wanting a team to continue on. It's fun to experience and everything. If the Journal Sentinel's going to go sell more uh, more newspapers by the Brewers going deeper into the playoffs, I don't think there's anything wrong with Tom Hodricourt or Todd Rosiak wanting the team. I, I, I've always felt like there's a difference between rooting and wanting and yeah rooting for a team and that sort of thing as a media member is obviously frowned upon and you're not supposed to do it but wanting the team to go further because there are there are benefits that go along the the longer the brewers play the more brewers broadcast that exist my employer wtmj is going to create more revenue out of it so yeah i absolutely want the brewers to go as far as they can possibly go just from a I want business to go well for my employer. So I don't know. I Again, I know there's a difference between rooting and wanting, but I've never thought there's a problem with a media member wanting a team to go further for those kind of reasons. I, I enjoy paychecks a, a very great deal, but the only thing that I enjoy as even more than paychecks is, you know, sitting out in my backyard, uh, relaxing with a cocktail and not transcribing or spending time <laughs> in my workshop doing anything but sanding. So, yeah, as much as I would take the paychecks, uh, you know, nonstop, uh, I also uh, I very much enjoy yeah. a little R&R before we get back into the swing up with hopefully a normal offseason and normal spring training. Absolutely. All right, uh, Andrew, people can follow you on Twitter at ByAndrewWagner. Uh, you cover the team for the Wisconsin State Journal, also uh, contributing to uh, Forbes Sports. Thank you for uh, this time. I really enjoyed it, and uh, we'll get you on again real soon. Anytime, Matt. Always available for you. Andrew Wagner joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. All right, here is the schedule for what's coming up with the Brewers. The American League playoffs are set to begin on Tuesday. The National League playoffs will then begin on Wednesday. So get this. Wednesday is going to have, let's see, how many total games is there? One, two, three, four. There's, well, yeah, eight total games. Eight total games on Wednesday in Major League Baseball. Uh, They are going to start these games basically tapered by an hour. The first game of the day is going to start Central Time at 11 a.m. And then it's going to go 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, 4. Then it's going to go 6 and then 9. The 9 o'clock game on Wednesday is going to be the Brewers-Dodgers game. As I am recording this on Sunday night into early Monday morning, they have not yet uh, announced the start times for games on Thursday and Friday, but the Brewers and Dodgers will play game one Wednesday night at 9 o'clock. Then game two is Thursday. Game three is Friday. You will be able to hear all the action of the Brewers playoffs uh, on WTMJ. And I hope you just stay up late with me because we'll still have Brewers extra innings following the game Wednesday night into Thursday morning. 
and uh, we'll stay up late together and talk about the Brewers. So we'll still do that uh, no matter how late it may go. And that's going to be a late night slash uh, early morning as we do Brewers experience. All right, my appreciation to Andrew Wagner for uh, joining us. My appreciation to you. By the time we're talking next week, this series is going to be in the books and either the Brewers season will be over or they will have knocked off the one seed, the Dodgers, the best team in the National League. We'll talk about it next week no matter what. Looking forward to it. This is Brewers Extra Innings Podcast, powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to the home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.